Brilliant stars have been a thing of wonder since the creation of man. But if the Earth is only a few thousand years old, how are we able to see distant stars that are millions of light years away? It seems that much of the universe is beyond what we could see if the creation is only a few thousand years old. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Evolutionists use the issue of light from distant stars as a strong point in their argument for a universe that is billions of years old. Indeed, the question of how light from stars millions of light years away can be seen on our young Earth and stars billions of light years away can be seen through telescopes has challenged creation scientists and set them seeking answers to this mysterious puzzle. Listen in for the next 15 minutes as we discuss the intriguing issue of distant starlight and time. To understand the problem a little better, we need to consider that light travels at 186,000 miles per second and that the distance of one light year is 6 trillion miles. Consequently, light from an object in space that is one light year away would take one calendar year to reach us. Dr. Danny Faulkner is professor of astronomy at the University of South Carolina at Lancaster. He says on the surface, it doesn't seem logical that we can see light from stars millions of light years away. If the universe is only, say, 6,000 years old, as strongly suggested by biblical passages, and if we believe the Lord created the world, including the stars, in six days, normal days, then how can we see things that are more than 6,000 light years away from us? We see uh, the nearest galaxies, like Andromeda Galaxy, is a little over 2 million light years away from us. So it would seem that much of the universe is beyond what we could see if the creation is only a few thousand years old and light has always had the, the same speed that it has today. Actually, the problem is even worse than that because while we could see things 6,000 light years away in a strictly defined universe, Adam was only made two days after the stars. And the nearest star outside the sun is more than four light years away. So he wouldn't have seen any stars for several years after his creation. And that would have frustrated the purposes of the stars for being signs and for seasons and marking of time. So therefore, we have to get light here on the Earth within two days of their creation from at least the nearest stars, if not all the stars. So that, in a nutshell, is the light travel time problem. As we said at the beginning of this program... There is currently no solid answer to this question of distant starlight reaching a young Earth, but there are several ideas being studied. Dr. Donald DeYoung, professor of physics at Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, tells us about a few of them. There are several ways to address this problem. One suggestion is that the stars actually are much closer than we assume. Then their light could arrive here in a short time in just thousands of years. However... This suggestion of a compact universe must be rejected. Space is indeed great in size. Very large galaxies are so far away they appear small and dim. There must be a better explanation for seeing distant starlight. An idea under current consideration is that there are two separate clocks in history. In this view, while just a single week passed on Earth during the creation Billions of years transpired in deep space. This allows distant galaxies to grow old and to send their light across space to a young Earth. 
current studies of time and gravity show that the dimension of time is indeed somewhat flexible. Time can be squeezed or stretched due to the effects of gravity or high-speed motion. The idea of distinct, widely separated time clocks on Earth and in space has been proposed by creation scientist Dr. Russell Humphreys. Later on in the program, we'll hear from Dr. Humphreys about his research on time dilation. For now, let's find out about another theory regarding visible light from very distant stars. Dr. DeYoung. There's another explanation for seeing faraway starlight, which keeps both the Earth and the universe young in age. Suppose that at the moment of creation of the stars, on day four of creation, the speed of light was infinite. That is, the stars were made with their light thoroughly spread out to the far corners of space. The universe would then be instantly lit up, much as we see it today. Then after this miraculous event, light speed was adjusted to its current constant value measured at 186,000 miles per second. It's likewise suggested that the sun was created with its nuclear fusion generator in full production, in equilibrium as it is today. Now, this idea of mature light creation suggests a fully functioning universe existing from the very beginning of time. Dr. Faulkner has been studying this mature light creation theory and compares it to how God made other things fully formed and mature. An example of this? Plants, which were made on the third day of creation. And it says there, let the earth bring forth or sprout or spring up these various types of plants that it mentions. And I'm just picturing plants suddenly, it's like a time-lapse a movie of a plant that comes up. You plant some beans and over, you know, over three weeks it comes up out of the ground and flowers and so forth. But you can watch it in 15 seconds if you lose time-lapse photography. So I'm imagining these plants just shooting right up out of the ground in a matter of seconds. So I go to the fourth day and I dwell upon this idea that God makes these things with a very rapid, very directed process. The moon comes together in a matter of seconds, maybe, or a minute or two. It's ditto for the stars and the sun and so forth. But just as you had this abnormal, if you will, or miraculous growth of trees, you can't stop there if you're going to make distant stars and yet not be visible for years. So during this miracle of creation, not only did God form all these stars and distant objects rapidly, but he made the light get here so that on the fourth day even, had there been anybody here, they would have seen all the stars that we would see today. And the difference, many people would say, well, the similarity you're talking about here to mature creation is very similar to light and transit. And I would agree to a point, but I think the difference I have here is I'm suggesting that the light that arrived on the fourth day on the earth, and certainly by the sixth day when Adam was here two days later, actually left those distant objects. And how that happened? Well, I don't know. It doesn't have to be a physical process because we're talking about the miracle of creation. The theory on distant starlight being proposed by ICR Associate Professor of Physics, Dr. Russ Humphreys, deals with time and the idea that two different clocks were at work on the fourth day of creation. The way that I am suggesting that starlight could get here is that by taking advantage of something we know from science experimentally, and that is that time does not flow at the same rate everywhere. 
It varies from place to place, not by much, but there are conditions in which it would flow quite drastically differently here on Earth than way out in the cosmos. So it's time itself we're talking about. It's an effect uh, from Einstein's theory of relativity, but it's been experimentally observed. It's called gravitational time dilation. And uh, the upshot is that if the universe is the way that God made it, that the Bible says it is, having a center of mass, then it is very easy to have conditions on the fourth day of creation such that time is ticking very slow here on Earth while the light is zooming in towards us. Time would be ticking at a faster rate further away. You see, when you measure the speed of something, you take a ruler or, or yardstick or something to measure distance, and you clock how long it takes a pulse of light to travel from one end of the measuring ruler to the other. But you time it with a clock. Now, if your clocks are running very slow, then you'll get a very high speed for the speed of light as measured by your clocks. So I'm saying that, yes, during the fourth day of creation, as measured by Earth's clocks, light was zooming in here very fast. But as measured by clocks way out there, uh, right by the light, it was moving at its same old, dull, ordinary 186,000 miles per second. So, different speeds of light on Earth and in space during the fourth day of creation is one possible way that we are able to see light from stars that are millions of light years away from us. But what would cause the difference in these speeds? Why do clocks tick at different rates in different parts of the universe? The reason for it is that gravity has an effect on the fabric of space itself. And uh, when conditions are right, light will travel and clocks will tick very slowly in certain regions of space under certain conditions related to gravity. And those conditions only happen in a universe that has a center. And uh, the Bible says that the universe has a center. But what most people don't understand is that the Big Bang theory says the universe has no center. So this is something that is not possible in the Big Bang theory, but it is possible in a universe of the type that God said we live in. Because Big Bang theorists say there is no center of the universe, it goes without saying that they would also argue against the idea of extreme time dilation. What evolutionists assume is a universe with no center of mass, and that gives you a universe in which clocks tick at the same rate everywhere all the time. And in that kind of universe, it would take billions of years for light to get here. But in a universe that has a center, under the conditions of the universe that God described on the fourth day of creation, then clocks would not tick at the same rate everywhere, and that provides a, a way for light to get here during the fourth literal ordinary day of creation as measured by clocks here. Creation scientists will continue to search for solutions in the mystery of distant starlight. Meanwhile, Dr. Faulkner exhorts Christians not to lose heart just because science doesn't have all the answers to this perplexing question. It's important for us not to be distracted by the creation, but to be focused on the creator. That's the most important thing that's there. And we have a creator who's made this beautiful world, very intricate, made us, we're very intricate, 
And the universe is put here for his glory and his honor to bring our attention to him. And so I, I feel sorry for so many people who enjoy the heavens but yet fail to make that closure to see what it's all about. And even even if one were to recognize that there is a creator, if one doesn't act upon that in the proper fashion spiritually, then it's all for loss. And that's getting very close to heaven but missing the mark by just a little bit. It's not just a matter of acknowledging that we have a creator, but acknowledging the fact that we are beholden to him, we have some accountability to him, and that accountability comes in the form of sin in our lives, and recognizing that we cannot save ourselves, and that the Lord sent his only son into the world to live a perfect life and to die and be buried and raised again, and conquering death and providing way of salvation through his blood sacrifice and resurrection. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.